Blog Talk Radio.
It must not go on. It cannot be tolerated. That blood on the hands starts on the steps of City Hall in the office of the mayor. Starting today, we started the morning for our brother police officers. They're heroes, they're fathers, they're brothers, they're children. That's the men we lost today. So starting in the next couple of hours and going for a number of days, New York City police officers through their sadness will straighten their shoulders, stiffen their backs, and mourn for these families. We'll mourn for our city and we'll mourn for our brothers. They challenge us. They take us to worlds full of heroes and titans. For Respawn, building the best interactive entertainment begins with the cloud. This is Titanfall. Titanfall. The first multiplayer game built and run on Microsoft Azure. Empowering gamers around the world to interact in ways they never thought possible. This cloud turns data into excitement. This is the Microsoft Cloud. Welcome, folks. To the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Today's date is, wow, let's check out today's date. Is it is it almost Christmas time? Today's date is December 23rd, 2014. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. And I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. You know, um, a lot of you know that I have a newly minted uh, police officer in the family. My son, my youngest son, my favorite. And... To think that uh, an officer sitting in his squad car, in this case two officers sitting in their squad cars, chatting, probably talking about uh, Christmas, their children, all sorts of things. Imagine what they were talking about just sitting in their cars. thinking that, well, perhaps they were thinking that, you know, well, can't wait till this shift is over so I can get home to my wife, to my children. And they're never going to go home again. They're, they're, and all because of a trigger. And I'm not talking right now about the trigger of a handgun or a trigger finger. I'm talking about a trigger. Those of us who uh, dabble in psychology know what the trigger is. Something that sets you off. Something that causes one to do something that one ordinarily wouldn't do. It could be a set of circumstances Remember the movie 
there's a movie uh, with uh, Michael Douglas, and he was uh, headed off to work with his briefcase, and folks were just messing with him. I mean, you know, it was a usual day for most people, but it, it set off a, a trigger, which caused him to go over the edge. Okay, probably not a good analogy, given that a lot of people probably didn't see that movie. But, and I and I and I, I haven't even named the movie, and I, I can't even remember it. But nevertheless, imagine some nut. Obviously, the guy was out of his head. Else, why would why would you do that and then turn the gun the gun on yourself after that? But the trigger, something said or done that sets you off. In this case, the blood on the hands are not just on De Blasio or on Al Sharpton or, of course, the gunman. It's also on Eric Holder. And, of course, our illustrious leader, the one, Barack Hussein Obama, fueling the fire, fueling this man's rage, fueling the the gunman's rage, suggesting that cops are behaving stupidly. Remember when Barack Hussein Obama stated that He believed that the Cambridge police acted, quote, stupidly, end quote, and suggesting that the cases in Ferguson, Missouri, and in New York were racially motivated and that there needed to be some police needed to be held accountable, and so on and so forth. All of this fuels a fire, a trigger, because... Oddly enough, a lot of folks out there, liberals, listen to the president. They they look up to him. They a lot of folks view him as omniscient, omnipotent. They believe he can do no wrong and that any failure of his administration is not his but that of the racist Republicans who have sought at every turn to trip him up. So imagine a president of the United States, the president, our president, going out and saying that the police need to be held accountable. Eric Holder, Mayor de Blasio, Al Sharpton. Imagine a young man who is already unstable, sitting somewhere in his mama's basement thinking, yeah, yeah, somebody needs to do something. Somebody needs to hold these cops accountable. That somebody's going to be me. The, the mayor said I should said I should do something. The president said something needs to be done. I'm going to show these folks what needs to be done. Think about that for a minute, because this is what we're dealing with. 
Meanwhile, we're going to take a short break and we'll come right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Hello, and welcome to How Smart Is Your President? A game show testing the intelligence of President Barack Obama. And now, here's your host, G. Ski Thank you, thank you. You are too kind, thank you. Hello everybody, and welcome to How Smart Is Your President? A game show testing the intelligence of President Barack Obama. And of course, here's our guest, here's our player... Let's everybody welcome President Barack Hussein Obama. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. We want to thank you for hanging out with us. Welcome to How Smart Is Your President? Testing the Intelligence of President Barack Obama. Our player for today, of course, the President of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama. Now, we went over the rules backstage. The game is very simple. We're going to ask you a series of questions, and you hit the fancy-smancy buzzer to answer the question. And we're going to start off right now. Question number one. How many states make up the United States of America? Uh, I've now been in 57 states. I think one left to go. Sorry, Mr. President. The answer to the question is 50. 50 states make up the United States of America. Next question. Name one European country. Compared to countries like Europe? Sorry, Mr. President. Europe is not a country. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Next question. What is one of the treatments for asthma. A breathalyzer. Or an inhalator. Not a breathalyzer. Sorry, Mr. President. You meant to say inhaler. Inhaler was the answer that you were looking for. All right. Next question. Okay. As the President of the United States of America, recite for me the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. The, uh, I, I guess, I, I, hold, hold on a second. So, so, uh, so all I'm, all, all, all I, I'm sorry, wait, 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 don't, don't, don't start, don't, hold, hold on. Sorry, Mr. President, time's up. The First Amendment of the United States Constitution states as follows. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances, something that you clearly know nothing about. Anyways, moving on, last and final question, Mr. President. Name the Mexican holiday in the month of May. The Cinco de Cuatro. Sorry, Mr. President, that was the wrong answer. You said four of five. 
The answer to the question is Cinco de Mayo, the 5th of May. That is the correct answer, and you are wrong again. Well, that's all the time that we have, folks. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Catch us next time when we play How Smart Is Your President? Testing the Intelligence of President Barack Obama. I'm your host, G.C. Rock, and I'm out of here. Peace out, y'all. Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick. Uh, Commissioner, your thoughts? It's, um, with the exception of September 11th, uh, this takes me back to 1988. We had two officers killed on October 18th. Uh, This reminds me of the days back in the 60s and 70s when we faced executions of New York City cops. Uh, In this circumstance, I believe, I personally feel, that Mayor de Blasio, Sharpton, and others like them, they actually have blood on their hands. They encourage this behavior. They encourage protests. They, these so-called peaceful protests that, that where people were standing out there say, saying, kill the cops. Um, well, I hope they're happy because they got what they wanted. And what you're referring to, of course, is... Tiny little boots covered in snow Apple cider woman on the stove Pencil twinkling everywhere Holly hanging on the stairs It must be Christmas Eve Angel sitting high upon a tree Watching over presents patiently Milk and cookies on a plate Santa Claus is on his way The kids should be fast asleep But Like little tops in their beds Trying to sleep but it's no use With puffs tap tapping on the roof Peeking out the window to see what they can see It's a candy cane Christmas Sweet as it can It is. It's a candy cane Christmas, as sweet as it can be, but it won't be for those two officers who were brutally gunned down while sitting in their police cars by a deranged... And those are just my my thoughts, as I don't know what uh, his mental state was. We'll never know, I suppose. We do know that he was a career criminal, and... He he committed a an unspeakable act, which we'll speak to 
They have blood on their hands, said former New York City Police Commissioner uh, Bernard Couric. He said that of Mayor de Blasio, Al Sharpton, and all those, and I quote, and all those who encourage this anti-cop racist mentality, end quote. And, you know, if you read between the lines, he's saying all those, and we know who he means, starting with Barack Obama's first year in office when he defended Dr. Henry Louis Gates, stating that the cops, the Cambridge, Massachusetts police officers, acted, quote, stupidly, end quote, without knowing any of the facts involved, put his foot in his own ass and said one of the dumbest things that anyone can say without knowing the facts and made an ass out of himself for the first of what we now know is many times. All those, including Barack Obama and Eric Holder, virtually all the mainstream media and most academia, why don't we have Republicans chanting, liberals lied and people died? Let's let's run down a few of those tweets, shall we? A few of the tweets tweeted out after word got out that the police officers were killed. Now, just for a moment, just just for a moment, imagine that one of these cops is your brother, your dad. A cousin, damn it. Someone you know personally. Just just imagine. We'll start with broke and nameless. Wow. Let me almost care. Sources tell me that both NYPD officers shot in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, have passed away. That's number one on our list. Number two is Brandon. These are Twitter tweets shortly after the murders. Brandon tweets, guess NYPD can't breathe after all. (sighs) Brownie tweets, I couldn't care less about those cops, though, to be completely honest. I can't even pretend to. Say you've been wronged. Or someone you know has been wronged. Or in this case, two young men, black young men that you don't know have been wronged. Let's just say that. And then you find out that two individuals who had nothing whatsoever to do with those incidents have been gunned down, shot execution style in the head, and they were just sitting in their car. How could you not care? Just a little. I mean, what what has happened to our society when people 
will actually tweet or state that they don't care that two men sitting in their vehicles were shot and killed. Never mind, it's just days before Christmas. Then you don't care. Is this the kind of society that we have become? Wasn't Barack Hussein Obama supposed to fix all this? Let's go on. Blue lives matter. This is a good one. Sorry, guys. These tweets are revolting. I know. But we need the reminder how defective some of these protest people really are. That was a decent tweet. But International Hoove tweets, I really hope them cops ain't get shot for something criminal. It would send a greater message if they got it for just being cops. Obviously, that young man has no cops in his family. Here's one of the worst. 666 tweets. Two police officers shot in the head in Brooklyn, both critically injured. Story to come. I'm glad. F cops. I think you get the idea. I heard from some of the protesters who appreciated the NYPD the other day. I heard from NYPD officers and leaders who said they saw peaceful protest, respectful protest. But what do you make of these specifics, as well as other protesters who were literally getting in cops' faces and yelling murderers? To cops who hadn't done anything. Now de Blasio responds this way. We've talked about this so many times that I'm not going to talk about it again. And now the question is, now, what are you guys going to do? What are you guys going to do? Are you going to keep dividing us? I'm not talking about every single one of you, but let's get real. Just that question. 25,000 people marched down one of our streets a few days back. Absolutely peaceful. No chance like that. Peacefully calling for what they believe in as American citizens. And the NYPD protected them. And I told people at that time, I said repeatedly, I got calls from all over the country with admiration for the NYPD for the way they protected people's democratic rights. But Mr. de Blasio, you fuel the fire by suggesting that your half-black son needed to be counseled by you on how to handle himself around police officers after an incident occurred a few days a few months before that had nothing to do with racism at all in fact what the ranking officer on the scene was a black police sergeant and she was right in the fray was she a racist as well that's the question Mayor de Blasio should resign, but he won't. Of course, you of course you know that he won't because guess what? Liberals have no shame. They have no shame. 
None, mind you. But let me ask you this, folks. Under a Rudy Giuliani, do you think any of this would have occurred in New York City? Any of it at all? Tying up the Brooklyn Bridge or whatever bridge that was. Yelling in cops' faces. No, because because Rudy wouldn't have it. He sets the tone. He set the attitude. And that's what it's really all about. But when you give license by coddling and saying, I had to counsel my son how to behave himself around police officers because of racism that goes back not decades but centuries – I don't know. There is blood on their hands. There is. And New York Mayor de Blasio revealed his true colors yesterday in his press conference, blaming the media for dividing New Yorkers, not blaming himself for dividing New Yorkers, which he did, clearly and obviously. He was blaming the media. It's the media's fault. And that clown Al Sharpton, oh, he stood in front of the podium complaining that he was getting death threats. Well, of course, it's about time. You should be, Al. Of course, he's going to hire some security and not pay his taxes, and nobody's going to try to hurt Al Sharpton because, frankly, who really cares about that guy? He's a clown. Call in numbers three four seven eight eight four eighty five hundred. Let's take a call right now. Call you're on with the Doctor C Robert Jones situation report. Hey Doc, it's Karen from Idaho. In Idaho, yes. Hey Karen. My thoughts. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Talk good. about it. When I, well, I was listening to the news about that gunman. And how he went and talked to all the people around and said, come watch what I'm going to do. Uh, my thought is, why didn't any of those people stop him? I have put myself in the line when I see a woman being abused. You know, I'll either bang on the door or call her or make a scene to distract the abuser. I've done that a couple of times. So how come the people around there didn't try to stop him? Well, well, Karen, you know, he didn't did he, he I, to my knowledge, he didn't state what he was going to do. Or did he? Um I I don't I don't know. I don't know if he did. To the people but, there, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he did or not. Well, come watch what I'm going to do. So I I mean I I just heard that he said that, but you know, they didn't know what he was going to do. And you know, most people you know, it's not like in the movies where you know, there's a hero, a hero who's a former, you know, recon marine or or former Navy SEAL comes to the rescue. You know, there's no equalizer. You know, there's no Robert McCall who's going to jump out and, you know, most people are going to run the other way. They're going to try to hide. They're going to say, I don't want to get involved. You know, the usual stuff. So they're not going to get involved yeah. in that sort of thing, especially if they know that he's going to go shoot a couple of cops. You know, they're not going to. Like, try to wrestle the guy to the ground. You know, I might. 
You know, you might. Um, you know, I might try to find something, you know, the clock him over the head with before he gets to the cops, you know. But yeah. uh yeah, just and how come just, nobody you know, tackled him after he caught shot the cops? Is you know my question. Well, I I know the question and and you know what? It's it's a situation where, you know, folks are not going to get involved um because they're, you know, they they're very fearful, but the the atmosphere that was created in New York City, uh, from the mayor, from from the president, to the attorney general, to the mayor, Al Sharpton, all of those folks. I mean, how do you blame? I mean, police brutality is, you know, it's a fact. I mean, it it happens occasionally. It's not something that occurs. You know, every day of the week somewhere in the United States is an occasional thing. You know, I've dealt with cops in my time as a Marine. I've even been arrested a time or two for a variety of traffic offenses. And every cop that I've ever dealt with was polite and, you know, treated me with a great amount of respect. But that doesn't happen for everybody, and I know that. But the problem is that the president of the United States and Eric Holder and Mayor de Blasio and Al Sharpton and all the other race hustlers have – they've made these issue, these incidents into race issues. You know, they're, they're, It's racist, and they've done it for their own gain. De Blasio is a self-serving idiot who, in my opinion, he's a well-meaning – his statement about his son and all that was very well-meaning, but he was pandering to the crowd. And I'm sure he had no idea that you know this sort of situation would ha- would occur. But you have to be smart. You, you've got to be a leader, and and stand up for the police. They are the first line of defense against anarchy and chaos in this country. They are the ones who protect us all, and they don't see color when they do it. And that's just been my experience. You know, I've not had a cop come to my aid because I'm black. You know, I don't know what they're, they're thinking, but in my opinion, they do their jobs. You know, and, and from what I understand, it's not their job to protect me in the first place, but they do. You know, they're police. And now that I have a newly minted officer in my family, you know, I'm even more attuned to what police officers do every day and how they sacrifice. You know, they put themselves in harm's way every single day, and all they have is a damn handgun for the most part. You know, yeah. a lot of times they're riding alone. You know, they're not riding in twos like they used to back back in the old days. You know, a lot of times you, there's one cop in a squad car and he he's alone. And if he gets in trouble, he has to call for backup and wait for another car to come and assist him. Another one, two, or three cars. So, and who knows where they are? So, you know, what we're experiencing here, Karen from Idaho, is from the top down. Disrespect for authority, unless that authority happens to be them. You know, there's no way the President of the United States should be doing what he's doing, saying the things he says. 
but he's not he's he's the president in name only. He's not a leader. You know, a lot of times these folks get elected to these high offices, offices uh, like the mayorship, and they're not leaders of men or women. They're not leaders at all. They're managers. You know, and even in the case of Barack Obama, he's not even good at that. You know, leaders understand that their words mean something and that there are consequences for the things they say. Not just the things they do, but the words coming out of their mouth that carry weight. And when you start talking about the cops being corrupt and there needs to be retraining and all of that and making a race issue where there is no race issue, you're going to set a trigger off somewhere down the line. And that's exactly what happened in New York City. What are your thoughts, Karen? My thought is we have an opening here for patrol deputies. I think your son should apply for it. Well, it's pretty quiet here, and we all know when the cops know me by we're all on a first name basis here. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, like you said, it's a completely different culture. Yeah, yeah. It's well, a you know, culture here. and he he's already he's already. Um, He's already got a job already. He's already working. Oh, okay. You know, then they're happy to have him over in uh, over in uh, Chicago. So, but uh, hold on, Karen. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a short break and then we're gonna come right back. Hello. My name is Albert Lee Guillory, and I'm the senator for the 24th district right here in beautiful Louisiana. Recently, I made what many are referring to as a bold decision to switch my party affiliation to the Republican Party. I wanted to take a moment to explain why I chose to become a Republican and also to explain why I don't think it was a bold decision at all. It is the right decision, not only for me, but for all my brothers and sisters in the black community. You see, in recent history, the Democrat Party has created the illusion that their agenda and their policies are what's best for black people. Somehow it's been forgotten that the Republican Party was founded in 1854 as an abolitionist movement with one simple creed, that slavery is a violation of the rights of man. Frederick Douglass called Republicans the party of freedom and progress. And the first Republican president was Abraham Lincoln, the author of the Emancipation Proclamation. It was Republicans in Congress who authored the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, giving former slaves citizenship, voting rights, and due process of law. The Democrats, on the other hand, were the party of Jim Crow. It was Democrats who defended the rights of slave owners. It was the Republican President Dwight Eisenhower who championed the Civil Rights Act of 1957. But it was the Democrats in the Senate who filibustered the bill. You see, at the heart of liberalism is the idea that only a great and powerful big government can be the benefactor of social justice for all Americans. But the left is only concerned with one thing, control. And they disguise this control as charity. Programs such as welfare, food stamps, these programs aren't designed to lift black Americans out of poverty. They were always intended as a mechanism for politicians to control the black community. The idea that blacks, or anyone for that matter, 
need the government to get ahead in life is despicable. And even more important, this idea is a failure. Our communities are just as poor as they have always been. Our schools continue to fail children. Our prisons are filled with young black men who should be at home, being fathers. Our self-initiative and our self-reliance have been sacrificed in exchange for allegiance to our overseers who control us by making us dependent on them. Sometime I wonder if the word freedom is tossed around so frequently in our society that it has become a cliché. The idea of freedom is complex and it's all-encompassing. It's the idea that the economy must remain free of government persuasion. It's the idea that the press must operate without government intrusion. And it's the idea that the emails and phone records of Americans should remain free from government search and seizure. It's the idea that parents must be the decision makers in regards to their children's education, not some government bureaucrat. But most importantly, it is the idea that the individual must be free to pursue his or her own happiness, free from government dependence and free from government control. Because to be truly free is to be reliant on no one other than the author of our destiny. These are the ideas at the core of the Republican Party, and it is why I am a Republican. So my brothers and sisters of the American community, please join with me today in abandoning the government plantation and the party of disappointment so that we may all echo the words of one Republican leader who famously said, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Peters, what say you, Karen? I'm sorry, I just got, I, I lost that last bit. What were you saying? Mm-hmm. I was saying that Democrats are not leaders, apparently. They don't they they, I think they don't take responsibility for their own actions. They don't take responsibility for the things they do and say. They blame others. It's not my fault. It's your fault. It's the media's fault. It's the rain's fault. It's the weather's fault. My dog yeah. ate my homework. I ran in the yeah. last election as a write-in candidate, and the Democrat I was running against has been unopposed for years, and um, she's really good at giving lip service, you know, saying what she thinks people want to hear, and uh, she's got a loyal following here with her family and everything, and uh, she she's real good at lip service. Um, she doesn't really listen to people, but she can she can make it sound like she does. And that's the way the Democrats are here anyway. They like to be in control. And Mm -hmm. they like to say that they're superior to the Republicans. But she actually happens to be a cousin of mine. It's a small county, you know, so everybody's practically cousins with each other. And, uh, 
I did rattle her cage because she's been unopposed. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, the Democrats, they just are like from a different planet or something sometimes, I think. Yes. And, of course, the liberals are now doing damage control over their damage inducement. Al Sharpton, the race-baiting, rabble-rousing reprobate, was given space on the New York Times Daily News to claim that he was, quote, outraged and saddened by the death of these police officers, end quote. And that was at, quote, every rally and every march, he says that they stressed nonviolence and peaceful protest. But uh, that's not exactly the case. Most of the chants were, we want dead cops, when do we want them, we want them now, and of course the old, tired, no justice, no peace. And <laughs> and we noticed when, uh, we noticed it when Sharpton uh, incited a massacre at Freddy's Fashion Mart in 1995 in which seven innocent uh, people died, calling its owner a white interloper. Then we had the NAACP president, Cornell Williams, Cornell William Brooks on CBS Face the Nation saying it was unfair to link the New York City killings um, by uh, some dude named Abdullah Brimsley to Obama, Holder, and that Bolshevik uh, de Blasio. But, you know, the thing here, Karen, is that they're not taking responsibility for the things that they say and the things they're doing. And, you know, who is thinking – and even even the two police officers, Karen, are getting lost in all of this rhetoric. They're gone. You know, and thank goodness for the, um, the daughter of uh, the young man who uh, suffered uh, his death as a result of his own poor health. And uh, possibly assisted by the chokehold by the officer, uh, you know, she came out in an act of grace and said something uh, to the effect that uh, she understands how the families of those officers uh, feel. She understands what it's like to be without a father, and she gives all due respect to the to the to the uh, NYPD and so on. And she said all the right things. And uh, from listening to her, it seemed uh, quite heartfelt. And I was encouraged by the daughter of uh, uh, the young man who was uh, who died in New York at the as a result of uh, an, an arrest attempt. Um, or his arrest uh, a few uh, a few a few months back, but you know, Karen, things are spiral spiraling out of control in this country. The rule of law is. Mm-hmm, go ahead. We had something tragic happen here. Now, the last time we had a murder here was about six years ago when a man murdered his ex-wife, and he's just now been sentenced. Anyway. About a month ago, they, we had a dear lady here, 67-year-old lady who walked everywhere. She walked to the store. She went to Salvation Army. Everybody knew her. Everybody loved her. We found her. They found her down by the by the river. She'd been raped and strangled and left laying there naked under a blanket. 
And when they found out who had done it, it was a, a Muslim man from who had moved up here from Texas. And uh turned out he was a he he's supposed to be a registered sex offender, but when he moved up here he didn't register. Mhm. But he was a terrible person down in Texas. And um they gave his name is Bobby whatever, but he's changed his name to that Muhammad something or other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in our community, we didn't make a big deal about why did this Muslim kill this nice Christian lady. We just saw him as the person he is, a killer, uh rapist. You know, we saw him for what he is instead of putting a label on him. And uh, I guess that's the difference in culture between here and New York. Yeah, it, it, a, it is. White but then again, white man had killed a little black lady. Yeah, but but you know, like a, you know, but then then again, you don't have an Al Sharpton in your midst, uh, stirring up all sorts of trouble. Sharpton should have been in jail a long time ago, and there seems to be no blowback from him not doing his taxes or being a tax cheat. Uh, there. I, I don't understand, you know, and spending all the time he's spending in the White House with the president. This it, it seems to me that this American society um, is. Um, I, I mean, I we're, we're suffering a, a serious terrorist. breakdown. I think of Sharpton and Jackson as domestic terrorists. Yeah. Kind of like Bill Ayers and all of them. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. posted something on Facebook about who's funding Al Sharpton, and I couldn't read it. Could you tell me what, what that article was about? I sure will, but we are going to have to put that aside for until tomorrow's pre-Christmas uh, show because we are out of time. We have less than three, less than four minutes left, Karen. I want to thank you so much for calling in. And uh, we'll we'll chat off off the air, and um, God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Thank you so much for calling in. You help uh, make this show uh, finish up very smoothly. Thank you very much. Um, so um, that was my.
I don't 